Welcome to the Advanced Grass Solutions Turf Hub podcast. AGS is a leading provider of agronomy services, exclusive products, and unrivaled customer support. Underpinned by a well-qualified and experienced team of former sports turf managers. AGS. Supply. Consult. Support. Mike, thank you ever so much for joining us today on the AGS Turf Hub. It's a real pleasure and honour to have you on. Absolutely. I'm honoured to be here. Brilliant. And thanks ever so much for joining. I suppose you have a little bit better weather than us at the moment. Yes, absolutely. Spring has sprung and uh, the magnolias are out around here and we are really ready for spring, let me tell you. We've had a long winter, so we're ready. Yeah, I would imagine so. And it's been quite difficult over the kind of last two years with COVID and everything else. And you're ready to get back out to the normal kind of operations. Yes, absolutely. You know, we have a lot of young people coming into the country now. This week, I think we had uh, 35, 40 last week. We've scheduled uh, to have another 20, 35 next week. So thankfully, we're trying to get back. Um, normal is not a word we can use anymore, but try to get back as much as we can in what we've lost uh, over those two years. So we're just trying to be positive and, and move ahead, basically. Well, I think you should be. So for those of you that don't know, uh, Mike is the Global Intern Program Manager uh, for the Ohio State Program. And Mike, a lot of students have gone through this program over the past however many years. Would you like to just give us a little bit of a brief overview about the Ohio State Program and, and how you got involved in it in the first place? Well, the program was started in 1979, predominantly bringing in uh, young farmers from the UK, actually, and, and parts of Europe. And uh, I came in in 1986 as an intern on this very program from Ireland. Uh, my background was in horticulture. I did veg production, but I love golf. And I loved uh, being around golf courses, going up on a farm in the south of Ireland, very close to some of the great golf courses, Ballybunion, Lahinch, Waterville, Old Head. And when I was here, I noticed that the, the, the program manager really didn't have any turf grass uh, guys coming in. So odd ones would come in from Marisco College, maybe. So I went to him and I said, hey, how come you don't have turf? And he said, you know why? I really don't know anything about it. I'm a dairy guy. I'm an animal science guy. And I said, well, I know a little bit about it. And he asked me to come in and I did part time into the office. And then I eventually came on board full time in 1990. And uh, like I said, I love turf and, uh, and we got going bringing turf grass students in and it's grown ever since. We have close to 500 a year coming in in all areas, horticulture, agriculture, turf grass, wineries, you name it. So, so it's grown very quickly as a program and it's been a lot of fun. I can imagine. And uh, for yourself with your, your background as well, you said you, you're originally from Ireland as well. What was it like the kind of transition when you first went over there, Mike? Well, I had a little bit of an advantage. I'd already worked in Holland and I'd already worked in France. I came from a very, very international family. I was the youngest of six and they had all encouraged me to travel. Coming to the States was easy for me. Uh, they spoke English. Well, in saying that, it wasn't because where I came from in Ireland, down in Cork, my accent was so strong. Uh, I, had to ad I had to adapt. I had to adjust. And as you can hear my accent now, it's very far from being a Cork accent if you've ever been down in Cork or, or, or Kerry or that area of Ireland. So it was easy. The people are great here. You know, they're very willing to teach you. They're very open about 
you know, showing you what they what they're doing in their businesses, and they're very willing to promote you if you have good work ethic and if you have a good attitude. Uh, and this covers all across the board of the program, not just as me as an intern. So it was a very easy transition to come in here as an intern. Mm. And you said you have kind of four or five hundred people a year now coming across for the Ohio State program. And I take it that's from all around the world? Yes, sir. We bring in, oh my gosh, um, probably 21 to 30 different countries. We recruit out of mostly Asia, uh, Southern Africa, um, South America is our biggest volume. Europe has really uh, dropped off in the last number of years. Um, so we have to diversify. We have to go where the demand is and where the volume is. People are hungry. If you go into Kenya, Tanzania, South Africa, um, Zimbabwe, there's a burgeoning population of young people that are hungry for that added value to their CVs. Uh, similar down in Brazil, Argentina, Chile, amazing. I mean, and you can imagine Asia as well, the very same way, Australia, New Zealand. So. So there's, it's it's a great market. Um, we're we're diversified, um, and and this is a great training ground. US is a fantastic training ground for anybody who wants to advance in the turf grass sports turf industry. It's a, it's it's a wonderful opportunity for them to to advance. Yeah, and over the years, I you know your connections in the US and across Europe and everything else, I would imagine have just grown and grown and grown so the opportunities for young people is just you know better than it's ever been well that's very true and the problem today for a young person in the uk is that there's so many options out there for them and they don't really know which way to go and what way to turn what we do is a little bit more we're kind of the luxury line in that we really take care of the intern a young lad coming out of lincolnshire who's never traveled before this is the perfect problem the perfect uh, program for him in that we will take care of the visa we will take care of the placement we're going to get you into the very top one percent quality placements over here and i always say to somebody who wants to travel come here first we will get your feet we will get you on your feet and we will get you started we'll grow your confidence and then the world's your oyster i i encourage the young men and women from the uk and ireland to come into the states first and then when they go try to get a job in australia new zealand they will be given a lot more respect because they will know if you've been through the top program, you must be good because you've been selected to come on this program and you've been put into some of the best training sites in America. So um, that network has grown immensely as a result of that framework. It's a very simple framework that works very well. And, and speaking to you in the past as well, I, I really like the fact that you take the time to get to know each individual student and you have a bit of a, a history of psychology as well um, and actually being to being able to kind of put them in the right place and put them in the right type of mentorship you know to guide yes. them through in the right processes yes yes I always tell the story you know when I came as an intern I got put into a situation where I was managing 40 Hispanic workers I was a young quiet lad from the south of Ireland, grew up in a small background and suddenly had 40 people I had to create work for every day and I discovered that growing tomatoes, which I was doing, was the easy part. The, the, the hard part was to motivate those people every day to, to work 10, 12 hours a day. Um, that was really, really the hard part and I got to realizing that 
you can't just look after yourself. You've got to look after other people. And that's why I came back into Ohio State. And I studied not greenkeeping. I've never mowed a green in my life, uh, but human psychology. And that's a very important part of young people today. When you get somebody from, you know, Scotland or the north of England that haven't traveled, you want to have respect for them. And you want to stay humble and you want to motivate them and, and really to mentor them. Find somebody that they can tag on to as an example. And I, as part of my job, every intern, I try diligently. If you're coming over, Matt, I'm going to put you in touch with somebody who's been on the program, who's been here at that very placement you've been on. I'm saying, call this guy, have a chat with him, ask him what he thinks about the place. What did he do on the program? So you tag on to a mentor that will motivate you because they've been through the ropes already. And this is critical today because there's so much choice out there for young people. It's very difficult for them. They don't know what to do. And there's also a safety factor involved. There's options for them to go places, and they're just going to be used as cheap labor. And that's not what we do on this program, Matt. Mm. And I think, um, you know, I think I said to you before, the I think the kind of mentorship side of it is so vital. You know, I've, I've spoken to a lot of really uh, amazing people with this podcast and, uh, and my job role in general. And there's a couple of things that always come back from from nearly every single person. One of them is that all of them haven't been afraid to actually step into outside of their comfort zone and put yes. themselves into a new challenge. And the other thing that comes back is that they've always had a mentor or different mentors over the years that have really helped guide them. And I know from a personal experience, I've had many mentors, you know, that that have really helped me and, and guided me over my career. I just think that's such a, a vital part of, of growing up, you know, and, and getting in, t in touch with the right people. Absolutely. And any young person that's listening to this podcast today, um, don't be afraid to reach out and ask, can you help me? You know, can you give me some advice? And, and, and don't be afraid. It's amazing. Some of the biggest, um, leaders in the industry over here are so giving of their time because they all had to get to where they are mm. and you need to realize that they 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 didn't get there on their own they needed help and this society today breeds people onto their cell phones and breeds insulation and it breeds a, a, you know a contempt for for asking for help and it's not good so we have to do more i, I feel obligated in what i do to, to get these guys and I do it on purpose we do it in a I don't want to say a sneaky way but a discreet way for example the turfgrass students we bring them in as a group and they're here and we let them sit and network with each other and then we get them tagged on to somebody when they're at a golf course so they have somebody that they can go to for some help and advice so we do it in, in a way that's just very organic and it works very, very well. You don't want to push somebody into any situation today, but you, it's definitely needed more than ever, Matt, and it's a, it's a big problem um, that we need addressing, and I appreciate you, you bringing it up very much. Yeah, and I think it's, um, you know, one of the, the, the things that kind of keep flashing up in the UK, especially within the groundsmanship and, and greenkeeping industry, and to be fair, you know, the, the industry as a whole, um, is that we need more young people we need more young people in the industry and um you know for for me as a kind of young guy coming up i looked at the the greenkeeping industries where i started um and i wanted to travel 
you know, and I wanted to um, experience different cultures. I wanted to meet different people. I wanted to learn and, and, and really push forward. So I saw the kind of greenkeeping groundsmanship industry as a, as a great uh, portal to actually do that. You know, and I think with something like the Ohio State program, you do that in a really uh, well-oiled uh, way, been around for a long time, and you're getting put into some of the biggest venues in the world. Absolutely. Well, you did a podcast earlier with a young man by the name of Ben Corby. He's down mm. in Dubai. And I forget where Ben was from in England. Do you remember where he's from in England? Yeah, he was from um, Lincolnshire. Why wasn't he? Grantham, yeah. Grantham, yes. You take a young man like Ben, who we brought over here to the States, and I wouldn't say he was a cocky, outgoing young man when he came into the program. He was more quiet, reserved, low-key, um, and he got this confidence and in the program itself and you take a guy like that and look at where he is now mm. he's down in dubai well i say to people the doors that this program is going to open for you don't exist today you're going to come into a program that's so evolving this profession is global i mean it's global it, it, the, what you did in turf can take you anywhere you can go to new zealand and get a job and go to australia you can go into dubai i got guys down in qatar now getting ready for the world cup they didn't come into the program knowing that they would get a job preparing for the World Cup, I'll tell you that. But that young person who's listening to this podcast today that wants to go out but doesn't know where to turn or what to do, um, that framework is there for them, and we will diversify them, strengthen. I call it adding value to their CV, yeah. and it really does open up the doors. And, and look at what it's done for you, and look at the great people you've met yeah. in this profession i love this profession i mean the people are the best and i'm i'm saying that now not because you know i deal with the dairy industry i deal with the pig business as well i mean farming all that side of things but uh, you know why do you think i got all those flags behind me in my office you know yeah. because i love this industry and and, and you do too basically yeah. is what you're saying oh yeah i do and i think um you know i said to you before is that when when me and, and jade eventually do get married half of the the church is just going to be turf managers you know people involved <laughs> in the in the turf industry because you do make friends that that last you know a lifetime years and and ben you know ben corby's a great example of that you know over in dubai i said i i, I told you the this story before but i'll say it again quickly i um didn't know ben at all you know not at all uh one of my other friends uh dean passed me his number because he knew i was uh, going out to dubai and I got over there and pinged him a message and said, you know, hi, mate, I'm over in uh, Dubai. If you've got a chance uh, and you've got a bit of spare time, I'd love to go and see, you know, a couple of golf courses, a couple of football pitches. And he messaged me back straight away and said, absolutely. You know, let me know what uh, hotel you're staying at. Come pick you up on a day that, that suits you. And uh and he did. He, he picked me up, took me around uh, a load of different venues, and we've kept in contact ever since. And it was fantastic. The other half wasn't too happy at the time. <laughs> However, what a great experience. And I know, speaking of Ben as well, about the Ohio State program, he's still friends with all of the people that he went on however many years ago. Oh, absolutely. And that's the whole purpose of the program. We create a fraternity, if you want to call it, around the world that you and I, I, I promote this all the time with the, the guys because, 
you know, we, we tend to be very parochial back in England or Ireland or whatever in what we do, and we don't tend to reach out for help. In today's world, in tomorrow's world, you cannot exist on your own. If you're a sports grounds manager, if you're a, a course manager on a golf course, Ben has that network out there now, and he can use that network to his advantage in his profession. And he has a wonderful network of people, and I guarantee you he stays in touch with all those guys. It's so easy today to do that. So, so that's another benefit of the program, actually. Thanks for pointing it out, is that network. But the thing I think we try to promote in being an intern in this program is you might be working for the biggest guy at the biggest golf course over here, but they're, they're very humble. And it impresses a lot of the the Africans when they come in here and the superintendent is down in the trenches, you know, working on an irrigation job or whatever and getting their hands dirty. They're not office people. They're out there in the field. And that's what you got from Ben is a humbleness. Mm. He's happy to show you around. He wants you to see what he's doing. He wants you to share the message of what's going on in Dubai. And that's why he picked you up at the hotel and you know, who was proud to show you what he's doing, really, Matt. I mean, much to the chagrin of your partner, I mean, but uh, <laughs> but I could tell you a bunch of other guys that would be happy to do the same thing over there. Yeah, completely. And I think that's such a unique thing about our industry. You know, we generally live it and we, we absolutely love it. You know, and even when you're on holiday, you're like, do you know what I'd really like to do? Just go and look at some turf and grass over here. <laughs> you know, see how they're doing it. I just think yes. it's fantastic. But the, um, yeah, and I, I think the camaraderie and the, as I said, the mentorship and, and all the other aspects of it are just one of the many benefits about the industry. And as a, as a young person, Mike, looking at the options that they have and how to get involved, can you just give us a bit of a kind of run through of how the Ohio State program works? So you, you kind of apply, you meet them, you know, you assign them a golf course, do they get paid is there accommodation yes sir you know today uh we have we we uh, we i work for ohio state university okay yeah. and we get the visas to bring the young people into the states from the u.s state department okay. and we really are answerable to the state department for the all the regulations you know when i when i interview somebody i have to do it by video like this um I have to put them in touch with a, a person who's been there already. Um, we are very open. They have to be told what their wage is going to be ahead of time. What's the housing situation? They have to do a video interview with the host as well. Oftentimes, the superintendent might have two or three people with them in the interview. I don't want to call it an interview. It's more of a chat telling you what they plan for the year or whatever like that. And then they, they normally apply for the program in October, November to come out in April because that's when our season begins out here. And we will do a six-month internship up north for the greenkeepers. It's, it's easier to ease them into the, into the system here for six months, April to October. And then we move them down south or out west to warmer season grasses. And we diversify them into warm season grasses because again remember we don't know where they're going to finish up um, mm -hmm. they could go to australia they could go to dubai look at ben i mean in his podcast i heard him say probably i got the job because i had bermuda grass experience mm -hmm. and that's what we want to do is give you as much opportunity as possible so they really get to see the gamut of the program in that process and during that process then they they get to meet other interns from australia new zealand i do it on purpose actually i don't put five English guys together in one golf course. I will put, if you look just this week, oh my gosh, you cannot believe the diversity of students that are just, we have uh, Harbour Town, this, this, uh, the tournament is on down there at Sea Pines this week, and there's 
there's students from so many different countries. It's unbelievable. I mean, you just you'd be amazed at how many diverse countries we have, and that then, as a result of that, that opens up doors. Um, for them to network, as you're working with some, I can see there's Daniel Sanchez, he's from Spain, Luke Cozy is from South Africa, Nancy's from uh, Hong Kong, Ruin is from South Africa, Ellie is from Kenya, Joe Balmer is from England down in London, Cormac Walsh is from Ireland. Uh, I mean, you just look at that diversity, and that's what makes this program great, is that diversity. Mm. And I think that's the other kind of key thing around it, you know, as well as the the kind of experience that you get of warm season grasses and you know working on championship courses or working on high-end courses with fantastic people i think actually experiencing different cultures and uh, different uh, people from different countries and everything else is such a phenomenal way of of actually growing you know as a, a young adult yes you know i think that by itself that experience of, of kind of figuring yourself out and what you like and you know there's much broader spectrums than outside of the uk or your hometown you know it's it's that experience as well that i think is such a a big win for everyone i'm sorry i didn't answer your question about the wages um yes they do get paid um for example um the wage now due to the short you know, supply of greenkeepers, they're really at an advantage because I've got golf courses over here paying $20 an hour. Um, Not all of them, but they're they're upping the wage uh, very quickly. Um, They're literally, you know, competing with the Joneses. What's that guy paying? Okay, I'm going to pay the same as him. And with my interns, it's not just the wage, it's what they're doing for the intern. We're going to help them with housing. We're going to give them uniforms. They're going to get food. They're going to get to be sent to... uh, I mean, I've got superintendents in October saying to me, Mike, next year I'm going to send your guys to the U.S. Open uh, for the week. And they're going to pay them while they're volunteering at the U.S. Open. I mean, it's it's crazy. I'm I'm jealous. Yeah. I'm embarrassed to tell you what I got paid as an intern, but I'm bloody jealous, let me tell you. And I've said it to a number of the hosts. I said, why are you paying so much? And they're like, Mike, we have no choice. If we want to do this right, we've got to pay the going rate now. And in greenkeeping here, I think they've learned, they've turned the corner. They're no longer paying as tight and minimum a wage as they can. And this should be a very good example to the UK. I see the the strife in the UK. We can't find greenkeepers, can't find greenkeepers. But when they're paid, you know, below a living wage, then it's a real battle. And I think I think the UK is gonna turn the corner as well and realize we've gotta pay these people who are getting an education who have practical experience, who are skilled. I mean, you're so fortunate to have skilled greenkeepers in the UK and you still have the, the wage strife you have over there, Matt. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely been flagged as a, as a major issue over the last few years and more people are speaking about it, which I think is a, is a good thing. You know, we're not kind of hiding away. People are stepping up and, and talking about the issues, you know, whether that be lack of staff, the wage bans, uh, or mental health in in general, and I think we are now starting to see you know better wage structures being introduced by uh, bigger better wage structures being introduced by GMA, which hopefully will attract and not just attract more people, but I think keep people within the industry, Mike. Yes, yes, and that's the whole goal, and I mean to make it attractive to young people today. Um, you've got to have a good wage um, for them, and you gotta, 
change the mindset uh, and get like the American superintendents where they, you know, they have turned the corner and said, okay, what are we going to do for you? And in the old days, it wasn't like that. It was like, well, you ought to be glad to have a job and, you know, we're going to work you seven days a week. Well, the supers here, like, we're going to get housing, we're going to do this. You know, I mean, I bite my tongue sometimes because I'm old school, but I've, I've learned to adapt and I've learned to be a much more accommodating person in this profession. And I see the results. You get good people who want to make it in this profession. And I mean, I took 19, I could have taken more to the conference in San Diego uh, in February. I mean, 19 interns from around the world. I think they were from 11 different countries. I had to work my butt off to get that many interns into the country, but there are good people out there if you give them a good experience. Let me tell you, there's plenty of them there. You've just got to go out and find them. And how we do that may be a different podcast, but uh, I'm seeing the way they're doing things over here in the States, and it's definitely uh, changing and turning the corner, you know? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, definitely over in the UK, we're starting to be seen for the high quality and professionalism that our industry actually is. You know, we're getting away from the way he just he just mows the grass. It's a it's a complete change of of job role. You know, you are a soil scientist, plant physiology, budgetary, you know, mechanic, uh, irrigation tech. It's it's so diverse to the skill set that you have to encompass. Be a head guy over here. Absolutely. And, you know, I talk about going to Harrogate back in the early 90s and uh, there's the image, the, the, the image that was portrayed from the greenkeepers back then has changed so much now. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to take credit for it, but I've seen it in my guys going back. It's little things make a difference. You know, the, the fact that around here people call it a profession mm-hmm. and you dress like a professional and you if you do, you want to be treated like a professional. But if you go in and you're unkempt and you're unshaven and you look rough, you're not going to get the respect from the members. But around here, um, I always stress to my, my, my interns, your image is very important because how you look as a professional is very important and how you maintain your golf course as a professional. And those little things will raise your standards. And I'm telling you, over the years, and I've talked to Jim Croxett at Big about it, um, you know, it's changed and it's all for the good. And we will then uh, be able to raise the, 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 the question of wages when we have a lot of professionals in the industry out there getting more education. I'm always striving and I'm always gently encouraging the guys, you've got an NVQ level two. How about doing a foundation degree? How about doing a HND? Because you know what? The guy's going to be interviewing you. He's an accountant. He's a doctor or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at you and thinking, you're going to be managing my golf course and you need as much education as possible to justify your decisions on a golf course mat yeah and is that something that you guys also help with so as well as doing like the the job placements and uh, the visas and um you know the actually getting paid for it is there kind of any contributions or pathways to uh, extra education before COVID, actually, we um, were always encouraging the, the interns. To, uh, we, we have an online turf education, I guess you'd call it um, a short course. Uh, it's 10 modules, and it's more about getting young people comfortable with online education. And this was long before COVID mm-hmm. uh, in getting them because I see the future, and especially in the UK, 
you can't afford to go to a four-year degree anymore. It's just too difficult. Yeah. Young people need jobs, they need wages, and they want to get an education at the same time. So as we've educated them in the online modules, we have an advanced turf physiology course. It's, it's not expensive, it's $700 to do it. We kept the cost down purposely because the stigma is out there that, oh, you know, all these universities in America are so expensive, you know, Penn State, all those courses are so expensive. And clearly they are. They've seen that they can gouge people. Um, so we purposely kept the cost down. We've had tons of people take that online education. It's not a four-year degree. It's more about adding value to their CV and putting them uh, aware of things like um, golf course, uh, the history of golf course, architecture and design. We found it lacking in a lot of the green keepers that when they did NVQs, they didn't know who designed the golf course. They didn't have that respect for if it was an Alistair McKenzie design golf course or if it was a Greg Norman design golf course. And I would always ask them, who designed your golf course? And they would look at me with a blank stare. No idea. You know, this is where we go to the next level. This is where you become more conversant with a member and talking about the bunkers and how difficult they are to maintain. So we don't, we don't, Clearly, we don't. We're not luring them in here to do uh, a full degree, but we're we're bringing them in here to add value to their CV, education and training-wise as well. So, but I often encourage them. You know, if you're when you're finishing here, well, you've got an NVQ level two or three. How about doing your foundation degree at Marsco? How about going on to do your HNC at Elmwood? We don't force. We don't push it on them. But we, we by the time they're done here, Matt. They're very aware of the fact that they only have the tip of the iceberg in their NVQs because they're around Americans who all have four-year degrees in yeah. turf physiology, and they realize, whoa, these people know way, way more than me education-wise. Now, maybe they're not as good practically, but they sure know their technical stuff. And guess what? Tomorrow, there's going to be more. Look at all the technologies changed over your time in this industry, how much that has yeah. changed since you started. Well, I was speaking to one of my good friends, Chris, Last night, actually, uh, Chris Ball from Hillside Golf Club, and we do a lot of we're doing all the data collation for the um, the DPD uh, tour event that he's got in July, and he said something interesting to me. He was like, "He was like, you're really lucky with when you were born, Matt," and I was like, "Oh, what do you mean?" And he's like, "Well, you were born far enough back where you have the kind of practical side of it and have worked with people without any technology whatsoever." and all the rest of it but you've grown up with the technology you know so by literal luck I've got a kind of little bit of that background but have embraced the technology as well and when you look yes forwards to the future you know with the technology that's coming through the research the understanding having a, a, a kind of understanding on the technology and having that uh, but having that base foundation of hard work and everything else is a key factor of all the kind of really successful people that I speak to. Yes, yes, and that's like that's where we need to be better at putting that in front of young people coming into this industry. I just uh, was talking to Graham down at Austin Country Club. My two interns were involved in moisture management yeah. for the World Golf Championship a couple of weeks ago. Think about that. Two interns got put in charge of the front nine and the back nine. So they had to get all the moisture numbers into the into their laptops, into their iPads, and the moisture management levels were then focused on five green is very, very wet. We've got to get that dry down. Nine is absolutely bone dry. 
And here's these kids, and they're all involved in this data collection and getting the, that thing. And then, as a result, the PGA Tour players have consistent greens. And to hear the lingo that's going around when I was down there, I'm just sitting back and I'm like, God, this is unreal. You know, these kids were not raking bunkers when they come on the Ohio program. They're involved in total data collection, you know. So this is, this is the changing times, and this is what we need to make them aware of, um, that they're going to have to be more conversant in this side of the business. So further education just behooves that uh, that advancement. You, you need more education today to be successful tomorrow, Matt. Yeah, completely. You know, this is uh, in your kind of early 20s, I presume, late teens are when people are coming over to this program? Or does it vary? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, no. Uh, well, we'll get a 19-year-old to a 27-year-old. Yeah. Um, we, we, we have, I don't want to call it a cutoff age, but we're very sensitive to what the embassy is going to see in somebody who's 28, 29 years old coming on the program because there's more legal issues, I guess, involved because this visa is so flexible and so easy to get. The embassies are very cautious about it. Are you really going over? Are you in this profession? And that's why we do such a good job of quantifying the applicant to know that they're really their desire is to be a professional in this industry because they got to go through the embassy and an interview and we help them with that as well so that's the the, the, the normal age is up to 28 years old um, but that but that's good you know so but you mentioned the hillside golf club isn't that where um, Tommy Fleetwood is from and uh, yeah. Ian Finnis I think is that correct yeah that's correct yeah it's um, a good friend of mine is the the course manager uh, Chris Ball um, Chris Ball, yes. Yeah, he's he's such a great guy. Again, he's he's another one of my mentors, Mike. You know, he's uh, uh-huh. he's took so much time with me to um, over the past few years to just explain, you know, his experience and, and what he's doing and why he's doing it, and talked to me through the tournament prep and you know, and I've just been lucky enough to listen, you know, and just yes, t- yes. <laughs> you know, learn when to listen. I think is a key thing. When with some people, but uh, that I've learned for sure. But uh, yeah, he he's just fantastic. So we... I wish you could uh, interview some of our uh, superintendents out here in the states. They're unbelievable um, in how they grow the students, you know, and how they motivate them. And you know, at the same time, they like to have fun as well. And yeah. I mean, they really, you know, they're really good mentors, and that's that's a key, I think. And it's it's amazing how much it's benefited you in mm-hmm. having somebody like that and you know as we grow in this industry now you're going to have guys like Chris out there uh, that are much more you know recognizing the fact that young people need more attention and need more time yeah. like you say and that's 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 what that's why this industry is getting so much better we're changing with the times oh completely and I think it's such a you know, speaking to Chris uh, and, a, and a few other people as well, which has just kind of brought me back to, to, to this point that I'm going to say is that I think what I love about that, you know, the tournament support, the going in bigger venues and seeing so much kind of diversity of, of jobs and skill sets, as you said, from, yes. you know, the architecture, who built it? Okay, how do we maintain the machinery? What data are we collating for the, for the tournament? all the other bits and bobs that go into it. I think for me over the years, that really identified and flagged to me with which areas that I really enjoy and which areas yes. that I really want to focus on. Yes. And I think something like, 
like this with the Ohio State program from from what I'm, I'm hearing from you is that you get a kind of broad experience of, you know, right from the, the bottom to the top, you know, all the way through and all the different skill sets that are in there. And I think it gives you the, the kind of platform that you need to go, actually, do you know, I really, really enjoy this part, you know, of that. I want to explore that further, you know, and whether that be data collation and eventually working for like, you know, the European tour or the US tour with tournament prep, things like that, or working uh, with a large course. I think it allows you to kind of identify which working practice and which skill set that you really enjoy. And then, you know, the ability to create that pathway to make it a reality. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we don't, um, we don't, you know, silo people into any particular area. When you come out here to the States, you begin to discover what you like and you don't like. And it's really, I talk about it, like, for example, um, um, Amir uh, Abdet that is down now in Qatar. He grew up on Sintosa Golf Club in Sing- Singapore. He's been in golf completely. But he got around the guys over here that are talking sports turf. And the technology that you have on the golf courses, you can take it to the sports stadiums. So we, 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 don't, we don't silo anybody and we keep, their, we keep their options open because we're a program that many young people today struggle to get into management. You know, you're in England, you get your PA1, PA2, PA6, but you don't really get to know how to spray or go out and take that responsibility. This program gives you that and gives you the opportunity to get into management. Think about the two boys down in Austin doing a major responsible job. Yeah. That's where you feel this is, I'm ready for management. And it gives you that confidence when you go back home. And this program can take you anywhere. And I mean, I, I, I know you deal a lot with sports turf and there's a lot of people listening to this podcast that come from sports turf. Coming out here and the attention to detail we have in the turf side of things, you can take it. And I get guys from bowling uh, in Australia to come in here, from cricket grounds to come in here. Um, I mean, there was a great guy called Daniel Bridges. I remember being down at Etihad Stadium in, in Melbourne. And I said, I said, Daniel, you were on a golf course in the States. Why, why did you come under your hire program? He goes, Mike, everything I learned in the States about managing people, about motivating people, about how the attention to detail, I can bring it all in here to the stadium. Because guess what? I got a crew here. In the old days, I might not have been as sensitive to them and how much they are a value. And this is the stuff you, you exactly learn on this program, Matt. So, so you, you, can, you can go anywhere with this qualification. Uh, into sports turf, into stadiums, um, you know, it's amazing what the, what this profession can do for you today. That's why I'm so excited about it because during COVID, we were in a boom over here and I, I can see in the UK as well now coming back, there's a lot more interest there. Um, there's a lot of money in the industry and look at the, there's a number of new golf courses being built in the UK now after COVID, which is a really positive sign, man. Oh yeah, completely. The, um, you know, trying to get onto a golf course as a member now um, is very difficult. Every single one of them seems to have a, uh, a waiting list. Now there's been a huge surge. And, um, but it was interesting what you said about um, man management skills and team leader skills. Because I think that's an that's a unbelievable skill that often doesn't get discussed. You know, it's, uh, I did a podcast um, uh, a week or so ago with my with my boss uh, Sam and uh, the um, uh, sales manager so looks after the whole team Pete as well 
and it was one thing I said to those guys, I was like, you're the, you're the best man management, you know, couple of people I've ever worked for. Because every single one of the team would run through a brick wall for them. You know, and the, the man management skills they have, I think, are, are tremendous. And you see that the whole team, performance of the whole team, just absolutely goes through the roof. You know, so I think that man management aspect is so important and how to learn that. Yes, and and it's amazing. Um, you know, I always talk about I grew up in Ireland. Maybe I was a little bit sheltered. You know, it was all Irish people. I went to France and I went to the Netherlands and opened my eyes. But when I came out mm-hmm. here to the States, the background of people is so diverse and it teaches you to be a better, uh, you know, people person. Um, just by surely being alone, being here, you know, when you look at just like down there at Sea Pines now, the diversity of countries those people are from, um, I don't want to say you're forced into being more sensitive to everybody has a different uh, point of view about the same job. And, you know, you've got to discover how to motivate and manage people in that area. And that's why when my guys go back and they go in, look at Ben down there. I don't know if you noticed the staff down there in Dubai, how many backgrounds from yeah. Uzbekistan and Pakistan. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. 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 Extremely diverse. Yes. And you've got to produce a product with a bunch of people that don't speak English and they don't even speak, you know, Spanish or whatever. And, and you've got to get a product produced. So how do you do it? You have translators, you have uh, uh, lunches, you get people, you find something of common interest to motivate those people. And you also uh, celebrate the success of the golf course by being a good media person, putting pictures up. If you notice uh, Monty's course, the guys that are there, mm-hmm. if you notice the guys at Emirates, um, they all they all put pictures up of their work and they credit their staff. And this is something that's uh, something very popular today is knowing how to motivate your media side of the business as well. It's important, I think. Yeah, I think it's massively important. And it was, um, I did a thing a little while ago for, for the GMA with the, the, for, for the young board. And um, one of the things I said to, to the young guys, they were like, how do you progress? And I was like, I think that, you know, you guys coming up now, kind of 18 and 16, 17, 18, 19, early 20s. I was like, you've got a tremendous opportunity because you've got an absolutely smart computer in your hand. You know, you've got the ability to almost market and document yourself, you know, and then you've got the outlet of all social media platforms where you can actually um, build a following. You've got YouTube, you've got Twitter, you've got you know, Instagram, everything else. And you've got the opportunity to create, you know, so I would take advantage of that and uh, and actually help with getting out positive uh, messages and being able to feel comfortable enough to actually put stuff out there when it hasn't worked as well, Mike. Yes, yes. Not being afraid to talk yeah. about the failures is very important. But, you know, it's funny you say that. I am constantly on these guys because they may have all the tools of the trade. They are not the best communicators. I got to talk to them and say, hey, guys, have you said thank you uh, to your boss for letting you go for a week to volunteer at a PGA Tour event when you went back? Have you said thank you to the assistant who had to carry the load while you're away? Uh, No, I didn't. Yeah, well, get on it and get it done. They need to be better communicators today, and we teach them that when they're out here. It doesn't cost anything to say thank you. 
uh, and it, it builds a bridge and it motivates you so much more to be a better communicator in that sense. So much as they have all the tools of the trade, they're still not the best at, at, uh, at, at keeping that communication going and they fall down on a lot, Matt. But that's that's something that they, they learn and I, I, I love it when I see my guys on videos promoting their golf courses or whatever. They learn to be good communicators over here. They learn to stand in front of a camera and that's something everybody needs to do at some stage in this profession. Get yourself in front of a camera and talk about what you're doing. You know, that's very important. Massively. I see that, um, you know, so some of the best people I work with um, are the best communicators. That, that's a, a real key thing. I think it takes a lot of pressure. Out. It brings everyone into your journey and as I said, communicates what you're trying to do and, and everything else and makes, yeah, makes everyone understand the kind of end goal of what you're going for as opposed to kind of question about it. So it brings people together. Absolutely, and that's what helps them, you know, get jobs. They get out there. If you'd notice over time, you would have seen my guys, um, you know, guys like Ben, they're not mm -hmm. afraid to talk to the media. They're not afraid to write articles. Um, I just had a young man from Spain on to me today asking for photographs. Now he's going to write an article in Spain about his time here in the States. This is the way you advertise and market your CV. And that side of it, if you're good at that, you're going to get your, 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 your CV out there and you're going to be noticed by people in the industry and you're going to get the good jobs. So it's, it's all a purpose of what, what we're doing in the program is get you marketing yourself, which is, which is a real challenge for young people today to talk about yourself. And I mean, mm. look, obviously you've done this because you're doing this podcast. You're getting out there and seeing the benefit of this and how many people are made aware of this. And honestly, today... I'm talking to you because I see the need for this. Because you know what? When I'm in the gym, guess what I do? I listen to podcasts. And that's what happened. I became upon your podcast with Ben. And I was like, I need to adapt. I need to do this. Advertising in a magazine anymore is old school. And young people are not reading magazines. They're on their iPhones when they're working. They're listening to podcasts. If they're progressive, they're listening to podcasts like this, man. Yeah, and it's exactly how we came across it as well, Mike, is that well, in our side of the industry, we travel a lot. You know, we're in the car a lot. So one thing I don't like doing is wasting time. So if I'm in the car, I'm looking for a, a podcast that's going to be educational, entertaining and everything else. And there was a severe lack of that within our industry. And like I said, we had a conversation before that we always get to the end of the conversation. I do it with a lot of people and said, I wish we'd have recorded that. Because that was really interesting, and a lot of people would um, would have been interested in that. And I just think it's yeah, you're right. We we need to adapt. We need to really kind of bring technology in and make it a portal for all the amazing things that are going on around the world within this industry. And with a a, a question for you, but before I forget, you've got some unbelievable facilities that are now kind of taking on uh, interns or have been for, for quite a few years. You, you know, you've got Ryder Cup golf courses, you've got uh, Jack Nicholas home course, you've got Muirfield Village, you know, you've got annual world golf championship, um, uh, uh, to, to name a few. How did you actually get these guys on board in the first place? Were they quite open? Were they, you know, fairly easy to work with or did it take time? <laughs> you know, it's funny you ask that because a lot of people ask me that question. How did you get into like Harbortown? You know, how do you get into yeah. that golf course? Well, 
it takes time. It takes, um, you know, one investor at a time, as I call it. And I mean, I started small. Back when I started to come into the program with my boss, there were young people coming over. They were finding their own golf course. And I noticed that they were going to low-level golf courses. And I went to my boss and I said, listen, these are the best, coming out of the best turf colleges in the UK. They don't deserve to be going to low-level golf courses. They could find a, a low-level golf course back in the UK if they wanted. Why are we putting them into low-level courses here when we need to be approaching the high-level courses? And you're right. Your Phil Lilly is the home of Jack Nicklaus. You go to them and say, I've got a good young man from the UK. I think back, uh, uh, Wendy O'Brien came in from Cheshire. Um, you know, she came out and I placed her into Kings Mill Resort. I mean, you start small. They didn't all show up all of a sudden, you know, that I had all those great golf courses you mentioned. And uh, a great example was um, um, I was at a tournament and, uh, in a bar with uh, – two pitchers of beer in my hand, passing this tall gentleman, and he looked at me and he goes, you're Mike O'Keefe? And I said, I, I, I think I am. And he said, I'd love to get one of your interns. I've heard so much about your program, and you know, I'd love to get an international intern to help our staff, to diversify our staff. And I said, well, I, I, I'm kind of busy right now, but if you want to put a business card in my top pocket there, I'll definitely call you. And uh, that night I got back home and I unloaded all my business cards because let's face it, that's why I go to tournaments as the network. And I took out this cart and I'm looking at it going, Pebble Beach? Where did I meet the superintendent of Pebble Beach that I don't remember? And then it dawned on me, he was the tall guy in the bar that stuck a card in my pocket. And needless to say, I called him and, you know, I, I, I talked to him about the intern program. And just like that course, you have to you have to go visit. You got to see the diversity. You have to see the culture with the crew, and you have to find the right person that matches a club like that because it's very unique. And that's what makes it successful: is matching the right people with the right course, with the right staff. And the same with Muirfield Village. The same with this week. If you look at Sky Harbour Town, I have seven interns down there. The dynamic is wonderful, um, and agronomically as well, it's important. They oversee uh, with. Uh, Kentucky bluegrass and fescue and all kinds of things in the wintertime. So literally it's a cool season golf course through the wintertime. But in the summertime, it's Bermuda grass. Mm -hmm. So we give the students what they want. The other side of this is um, you have to have a dynamic of people who are good teachers and good mentors, as we talked about earlier. And I find, uh, as I've done this for over the years now, that the people that I, I gravitate towards are people who've grown up in the system here at Ohio State. They've been interns themselves. So they've been in the shoes of these young people and they know how to relate to them and they know how to motivate them. And unless you've been in their shoes today, it's very difficult to know how to motivate these uh, Gen Zs or these millennials. Um, so that's a, a very big part of it as well. Um, some of the other things, uh, for example, you would be familiar with uh, Daniel Levy who owns Tottenham. Well, uh, the owner of Tottenham, uh, the real owner of Tottenham is a guy called Joe Lewis, and he had a, he made his money in the Tavistock Fund. I believe he was from down Devon Way. Um, he owns uh, the Albany Club in the Bahamas, and he owns uh, Lake Nona, and he owns Alwort in, uh, in Orlando. And uh, that relationship, I like to do things like that, like keeping it in the family, I guess, if you will. Um, I'd often bring over young people from the UK, and put them into to those courses. And uh, I found that golf course uh, originally. I had a student from Myerscope by the name of Jeff Coggan. He 
he was over here back in the late 80s and he met and married a, a young lady and uh, he went down to become a superintendent. And out of courtesy, I stayed in touch with him as he went out in the industry. And one time I was going to Orlando and I called him and I said, Jeff, hey, uh, how are you doing? I'm in Orlando. You want to have a beer? And he said, Mike, I'm at a course called Alworth. you got to come visit me. And I'm thinking in my head, Alworth, why do I know the name of that golf course? Well, it turns out it was the course where Tiger Woods lived. And I went to, to visit him and it was, man, it was mind boggling. I mean, you know, the superstars, Charles Barkley, all of these LPGA, everything. And so slowly I started to get interns in there. And then with Lake Nona, um, another another one of those those courses, and they have an LPGA event there. And then they moved the tournament over to the Bahamas. And in the process, one of those young men by the name of James Povey, um, he went back and he went to work for Tottenham. Turns around, he came back and he got a job at Albany Club, separate from the program completely now. And he runs uh, one of the flags up on the wall right here. Um, they're called the Hero World Challenge. If you see it up there, and you see all those names, they're all interns. So now when the interns are here in the States, I send them over there to volunteer for the week to help James um, with that tournament. You can imagine being involved in Tiger Woods' tournament. The people ask me, how the blazes did you get to, to network? And I went over to the Bahamas as well, actually, one year to volunteer. Uh, that's how you do it. One person at a time, you build those networks, you value people and you stay humble. And that's a big trait that I learned in this program is you stay humble and you stay in touch with people. I didn't have to call that guy if he left the program and I'm just out of courtesy. And I tell many of those interns, you are in that job because of a guy called Jeff Coggin. And I tell Jeff, you have changed so many people's lives over the years by helping these young people. And that's, that's the whole purpose of this program, Matt, is changing people's lives, making a difference in their lives and the impact of what it's done you know, for these young people is amazing. And, and that's what brings me to work every day, Matt. You gotta love what you do. You gotta love helping people, you know? And I think it's, um, you know, it's so fulfilling from, from everyone's end, from the superintendents to you, to the interns coming through. And it must be such a great feeling, you know, seeing people like Ben, uh, Corby, how well he's done, you know, the other guys you said. And then the other one I think to, to mention as well is um, Lara. Yes, Lara Arias. I mean, if you look at what, she, what she's done as well, I think it's just fantastic to see if you give us a bit of background on, on Lara. That, that was a great story as well. A young lady grew up in the north of Spain and uh, went to some seminar uh, with uh, Paul Burgess was giving. He was the head groundsman at Real Madrid at the time. And he was talking about, you know, the industry, how it's a profession, how you can grow as an, an individual. And uh, she came up to me afterwards and she said, I want to do this. I, I, I work in a golf course, but I don't know how to go anywhere. And she goes, and, and Paul says to her, I know a guy. If you want to go to America, this is where you're going to grow your, your CV. Uh, contact this guy. And she did. You know, her English was very broken. Um, she came to me on the program and she came out. And, you know, a female in this industry, it's really tough. You've got to work twice as hard to get half as far. And she had that metal. She had that drive in her. You know, she, she struggled. She worked hard on her English. And she grew, and, and I moved her from uh, TPC, uh, from uh, RTJ in Manassas down to TPC Scottsdale. She went to Quail Hollow. I always remember her calling me on a Friday night, asking me a question about one of the online courses that we, we give to the interns if they want to take them. It's voluntary. And I answered the question. I said, but Lara, it's Friday night at 9 o'clock. What the places are you doing at home on a Friday night? And I, I, she said, all the boys are out at the bar, but I'm trying to do this online course. And that showed me this is a person that's driven. 
And you know what? Um, we got some funding for her to help her with her education. And she's gone on now to be the superintendent at uh, the Ryder Cup course in uh, in Rome. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Marco Simone. And she's been very good. She's already sent me a young man from uh, the golf course over there onto the program. And that's what I call paying forward. She sees the benefit of the program. So she's promoting her staff. She's already switched on to what's needed. How that would have been done 20 years ago, I don't know. But that's what she's that's what's had an impact on her and it's a testament to a young lady can make it in this industry as well you know we keep talking about the guys but this program is very diversified and we really proud of the fact that we get a lot of sponsorship for females to come into this profession and make it in this profession and she's a great testament to that coming out of the north of spain think of a young lady from the uk that's maybe working in a golf course somewhere thinking oh bloody hell i could never do this you know it's too big for me no, it's not. If a young lady from Spain can do it with fragmented English, you can do it as well. I will tell you one story that was kind of unique. Um, and uh, a young man from Australia contacted me, and he was very sports turf orientated, very more uh, cricket, um, Aussie rules, um, you know, uh, stadium. Uh, and I kept looking at his application thinking, you know what? we're really not ready for that kind of a person yet and uh, I was good friends with a guy called Richard Kempe and uh, I reached out to Richard in England I said this kid is really not suited to the States we can't really offer him what he needs he's very forward he's very driven and I admire that in a young person being forward and driven and wanting to improve themselves so I reached out to Richard and Richard said to me this young man's in Brisbane I'm gonna be in Brisbane tomorrow um, can you get me his contact details? And I did. And Richard went by the stadium where he was working and he wasn't there. He'd gone home. Somebody at the stadium called him at home and said, come back. There's some fellow wants to talk to you. And Alex figured out, wait a minute, I've been talking to Michael Keefe. Who could it be? Long story short, he finished up going to England. He spent six months with the campy people going into seven different countries around Europe, grew his confidence immensely. He's now a sports stadium manager up in Darwin, Australia. And you know, I've never met him. I've never met him and I guarantee you he would give me credit for helping him advance in his career. And that's the craziness of this industry today that I can get an inquiry from somebody in Brisbane, Australia, never meet them, put them in touch with the right person. Richard just happened to be right there. Richard hired him. Richard is very forethinking like that. And I'm telling you it changed his it changed his life. And I don't know if he'd be a stadium manager today if he hadn't gone and done that with the wonderful guys at Campy. Uh, and you know, I'm not, I will admit first off that we're not totally involved in, like for example, he finished up at Wimbledon, you know, he went to sports stadiums in Holland. So sports turf wise, if I can't help you coming into the States, I can find somebody that can help you somewhere around the world, Matt. Yeah, most people in the sports turf industry, if you ask them the question like, what would you, what would you be doing if you weren't doing this? And most of them go, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, this is such a great industry to be involved in. And I think this, the, the Ohio State program, I think is such a brilliant kind of platform to, to involve young people, to give them opportunity to build uh, relationships and build your experience of different cultures. And I couldn't promote it enough. And just to, to finish up, Mike, if somebody wanted to get involved, either as a, an intern or a work placement or get any contacts with you to progress things on, how, what's the best way of doing that? 
the best way is um, I will uh, send you a link. It's what's called an initial inquiry. And uh, speaking of that, actually, wanting to work, I get a lot of inquiries from the UK from people that say, I want to move over to the States. I want to get a job. Okay. That's a different level than what we do because we're tied into students. If you notice the theme is they're in Elmwood, they're in Marsco, they're in Oak Ridge or whatever. Um, when you're out in the profession, it's a different level completely and people want to move here for a job. Um, I often like to talk to them and I often try to explain to them. So honestly, you know, contacting me on WhatsApp for a chat initially is an easy way to go. You have my WhatsApp number. It's plus one six one four six two zero seven seven two zero or getting in touch with me and I'll send you a link and you send me a CV and 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 a photo mind you because that's where we start with that image that professionalism and I will talk to you about whether we can help you or not from there on in kind of because that's that's really and you know people ask me here Mike we're making a big decision in hiring this guy how how well do you know this guy well let's let's put it this way I, I, I'm gonna find out what golf course you come from I'm gonna find out where you did your NVQs I'm more than likely going to know the assessor that went out to interview you so my necks on the line when I recommend somebody and I have a lot of people in the States really you know they want to know how much I know about that person and over the years I mean I, nobody's perfect but I've done a lot of placements and you look at somebody like Ben Corby lad from Lincolnshire putting them down on an island in South Carolina into Bermuda grass was that the right thing to do to him well, hell it was, because look where he is today. And you look at somebody like Lara Arias, um, you know, bringing her over to Virginia and look at her now today. So I've been doing this for 35 years. And after a while, you get to know, you know, what the right person is for the right placement. Sometimes at the time, it doesn't make sense to the kids. But let me tell you, when you've done it for this long, you get to know where people come from. You do your homework, basically, Matt, is what you do to get the right people. So. I, I really, uh, I think the best thing is to get in touch by WhatsApp and have a chat, really. I, I don't intimidate people. You know, I, I, I was in your shoes as well. Oh, I think it's absolutely brilliant, Mike. And I said, it's, uh, I think you can see the quality of people that have come out back of it, where they've done what they've, what they've uh, achieved and who wants to be involved in it. Yes, fantastic opportunity. So I, you know, would say to any kind of young person looking at, at the next step, getting out of your comfort zone and, and pushing yourself a bit further, get in touch with Mike and see what, way, what you can do. Absolutely. And don't, you know, like I say to the interns, don't take my word for it. What I would recommend to you is get in touch with somebody like Wesley Walker. He's a past student that's there on the outside of, of London. You know, uh, John Clark is up at Woburn. Um, you know, talk to somebody like that. Um, John Taylor, who's back there in the England. I could put you in touch with a numerous... Uh, young men and women, you know, that have been through the program. Wendy O'Brien, who uh, is up in Latvia, uh, they'd be a wonderful chat on here on your podcast to hear their perspective as well, Matt, um, and how they view the world after being on the program itself and doing this program and then getting the benefit of the program, I think, is, is, is really, for young people to really hear it, you know, I can sell snow to Eskimos, but if you get uh, if you get somebody who's been through the program and done it, it would be fantastic as well for another podcast for you. Oh, for sure. You know, I'd like to do that. Um, we'll speak about that afterwards. But yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think that'd be a great podcast as well. We'll wrap it up now because I know you were uh, you, you've got about another four meetings after this, so I will keep you on for 
Mike, honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time. Uh, and yeah, just thank you ever so much. I thought that was great. Absolutely. You enjoy the rest of your bank holiday weekend and uh, get in touch with me and I'll give you a list of names if you want to contact them uh, going forward. And uh, I'll be I'll be happy. And I really I really enjoy your podcast. So keep doing what you're doing, buddy. Thanks for listening to Advanced Grass Solutions Turf Hub podcast. For more information, visit advancedgrass.com or follow us on socials using the handle at advancedgrass.com.